Now, I'd like to introduce tonight's moderator, Mr. David Kippen. David Kippen is the founder of Libro Schmibros, a nonprofit lending library and bookshop in Boyle Heights. He has been a book critic for the San Francisco Chronicle and director of literature for the National Endowment for the Arts and is currently a Getty Annenberg USC fellow in journalism. He was born in Los Angeles and will always live here. Please give a warm welcome to David Kippen. Thanks very much. Um, is it me or did a light breeze just kick up? <laughs> I want to I want to introduce our panel because um, I've been talking to them out there and uh, and um, it's it's just going to be such a pleasure to share them with you guys because they're all really crackerjack um, opinionators. Um, we're going to start with uh, Drew Smith. Captain Drew Smith um, has been with the Los Angeles County Fire Department since 1988. He started as a hand crewman and has served as a fireman, fireman paramedic, engineer, camp foreman, and fire captain in South Central, in East LA, and the Air and Wildland Division. He's been involved in most of the Southern California, Santa Ana wind-driven fires over the last 20 years. So I think we owe him a debt of gratitude. To Captain, Smith is, to Captain Smith's right is Janet Fitch. Janet is the author of the Los Angeles novels, not just novels set in Los Angeles, but I think it's fair to say Los Angeles novels painted black and white oleander. She teaches creative writing in the master's in professional writing program at USC and at the Squaw Valley Community of Writers. Uh, she's currently working on a novel set during the Russian Revolution and blogs at www.JanetFitchWrites. .wordpress.com. Those of you who've read her extraordinary work, start the applause, and anybody else, jump on in. And finally, Robert Favell, Professor Robert Favell, is Department Chair and Professor of Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at UCLA. He conducts research in mesoscale meteorology. We all know what that is. Um, primarily using high-resolution numerical models. He has studied squall lines, Santa Ana winds and windstorms, hurricanes, sea breezes, boundary layer rolls, gravity waves, uh, and climate classification, among other subjects. And I figure how this will work is we're going to talk a little bit with Robert, then with Janet, then with Drew. Robert, we can talk to about what the Santa Anas are. Um, Janet, uh, 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 Captain Smith, we can talk to about what they do. Um, and then Janet uh, will talk about what they mean to us. Not one after another, by the way, but we'll spend a couple of questions on each of them just so you can get to know them and then, and then move on and then uh, begins the free-for-all. Um, so, uh, Professor Favell, um, we did just feel a slight breeze. How come it wasn't a Santa Ana? What didn't it do that a Santa Ana does? What is a Santa Ana? Okay, well, uh, the first thing is it probably didn't come from the right direction. Mm -hmm. But um, Which is? So, uh, typically, Santa Ana winds blow from the north, from the northeast, and if you're down in San Diego, from the east. Um, so, I, can I explain to the audience a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. That's okay. where to start. 
So the, the Santana winds are basically an offshore wind. Most of the year, most of the time, our wind blows from the west, so it's coming from the Pacific Ocean towards us. That makes uh, Los Angeles a nice place to live most of the time. The Santa Ana winds are when the wind blows out of the Mojave Desert through the passes and canyons into Southern California. So that happens typically in the winter half of the year. So we're coming up on Santa Ana season, typically starts in a couple of weeks here. So we'll typically start getting the offshore flow somewhere in mid to late September. And it will typically hang on until April or May. Although that's true, it's the Santa Ana's typically in the early part of the fall that are the most dangerous because it's windy, it's dry, and as Captain Smith can talk more detail about, it creates an extreme fire hazard in Los Angeles because, as you know, we've just gone through a long uh, summer in which it was pretty hot, particularly these last few weeks, and almost no rain. Okay, so uh, if I can continue on to describe a little bit, if you can picture the uh, topography of the western United States, the Santa Anas are a wind that are basically sort of like kind of unique to us, but it's part of a larger picture. So if you can picture the topography of the western United States, you've got the Great Basin of Utah and Nevada, and then that's bounded on the west by the Sierra Nevada Mountains, and on the south by the mountains that rather imperfectly ring uh, Southern California, the San Gabriels, San Bernardinos, San Jacintos, etc. So during a Santa Ana, what happens is a, a dome or mass of cold air starts moving across the Great Basin. Okay? And as it comes through the Great Basin, it can't get over the, uh, the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains because they're way too tall. This air mass will be about, let's say, about a mile thick. I don't know if that sounds particularly deep or shallow to you, but the Sierras are taller than that. So this, this cold air basically gets funneled down towards Southern California. And then it hits our mountains. Okay? And it piles up on the Mojave side of the mountains, and that increases the pressure, and it starts pushing through the passes and canyons like the Cajon Pass, the Banning Pass, through the Soledad Gap, across uh, Castaic and uh, Santa Clarita, etc. And, and, and they cause earthquakes, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, I actually, I get um, a large amount of email <laughs> regarding the Santa Anas because about 15 years ago or so, I created a web page for my lower division non-major class that what is a Santa Ana, and somehow Google thinks that that's important enough to rank really high on the search term. So if you type in Santa Ana wins, so that, that makes me an expert on it, I guess, according to... Uh, and uh, one question I get all the time is, so uh, earthquakes happen when it gets hot and windy, right? And uh, so I did a little research on that, actually. And I found that 50 years ago, people in Los Angeles were convinced that earthquakes happened when it was cool and rainy. So I think <laughs> if you just sort of like put all the combinations of weather together, you got it all covered. Thanks very much. We'll be we'll be back to you um, fairly quickly. But I wanted to talk to, uh, to Captain Smith. Um, tell me, do you remember your first time on the line during a Santa Ana-driven blaze? Uh, well, as a hand crew member, we routinely in Los Angeles County go to a lot of fires. We are air attack based via helicopter and also ground based. So as far as my first one, 
Uh, first fire season was 87, mm-hmm. the CJ 87 that went on through Northern California and eventually went into Southern California. So that was a bad uh, one. Yeah, that was a bad year. But there, there's every year we have significant fires that involve the Santa Ana winds. So for me to remember my first one, not really, but I've been involved in a lot um, as a uh, ground pounder, if you will, and also in a uh, management type role as a fire behavior analyst uh, working at the local level and also the national level. How do you fight a Santa Ana fire differently from uh, any other kind of fire? Uh, well, um, fire moves under really three different ways. It's either wind-dominated, that's a form of energy that moves fire, or it's topography-dominated, another form of energy that moves fire, and or fuels-dominated. So a wind-driven fire um, defies a lot of the rules, and the only rule that it does follow is which way the wind is blowing, and it exponentially grows um, on a Santa Ana wind, which is a north-northeasterly component, and it eventually ends up somewhere to the west-southwest. So with that, um, combating these fires are very challenging because you get exponential fire growth due to spotting, and that's one of those um, uncontrollable elements is the spotting. A line of fire is relatively, uh, I don't want to say use the word easy, it's very challenging to fire, uh, to firefight. Um, however, when you have exponential spotting is what it makes it very challenging to do with ground resources or aerial assets. And we're going to get into the supposed uh, effects on people's behavior that the Santa Anas have, I expect, um, as things go on. But in the firehouse, does the mood change when the Santa Ana winds kick Mm up? Uh, It does because our operational readiness within Southern California gets uh, significantly elevated with uh, augmented staffing um, through uh, the resources with fire trucks, hand crews, and uh, aircraft. So that operational tone um, is set uh, really high because we know when we're in a high fire danger day, especially when the Santa Ana winds blow. So our uh, readiness to respond needs to be uh, paramount for that day or really that three-day window which is usually what they come in, this three-day siege of uh, how long usually a routine Santa Ana will will last. So you don't get irritable or snap at each other or... No, no, (laughs) we uh, we wonder where we're going to end up. Um, Thanks, and and Janet, um, as my fellow literary member of the panel, um, uh, uh, at least on good days, um, I feel the need of an epigraph, and I think you may have one or two. Do you want to give us, um, I guess, Didion leading into Chandler, if that seems appropriate? Okay, I can do that. Uh, We have just about every writer who has lived here and has been paying attention writes about the weather and writes about the Santa Anas. And uh, Joan Didion in the collection Slouching Towards Bethlehem uh, talks about, in Los Angeles Notebook, she says... There is something uneasy in the Los Angeles air this afternoon, some unnatural stillness, some tension. She has migraines, so she actually feels this, or feels that she feels this before it happens. (laughs) Some unnatural stillness, some tension. What it means is that tonight a Santa Ana will begin to blow, a hot wind from the northeast whining through the Cajon and San Gorgonio passes, blowing up standstorms along Route 66, drawing the hills and the nerves to the flashpoint. For a few days now, we will see smoke back in the canyons and hear sirens at night. I have neither heard nor read that a Santa Ana is due, but I know it. And almost everyone I have
have seen today knows it too. We know it because we can feel it. The baby frets, the maid sulks. I rekindle a waning argument with the telephone company, then cut, <laughs> cut my losses and lie down, given over to whatever is in the air. To live with the Santa Ana is to accept consciously or unconsciously a deeply mechanistic view of human behavior. See, I think the I think the phone company causes Santa Ana wins. They get money. There it is. Thanks for coming. Now, now she takes that and leads into another very very famous passage about the Santa Ana wins. Yeah, um, Raymond Chandler, famously observant of Los Angeles phenomenon, um, had a story called Red Wind. So definitely about the Santa Anas. And what he says is, on nights like that, Chandler once wrote about Santa Ana, every booze party ends in a fight. Meek little wives feel the edge of the carving knife and study their husbands' necks. Anything can happen. You can even get a full glass of beer in a cocktail a- bar is the great <laughs> line that Joan Didion leaves out, I think, because she didn't think she could hack the competition. Um, and let me just interject. I first heard that line, and maybe some of you did, on an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Do you remember this? Oh, it's great. Um, Mary takes a night class in creative writing and she writes something about her adorable grandfather and how he used to carve faces out of apples and brings it into Mr. Grant and says, I'm a writer now. You hear this? Isn't this good? And Lou says, you think that's writing? I'll show you writing. Reaches into his bottom desk next to the Applejack and pulls out Raymond Chandler's Red Wind and reads just what she read to you all. And then Mary takes a long pause and says... He writes well about the weather. (laughs) And I emailed the guy who wrote that episode today. His name is Bert Proletsky. He used to write for the LA Times every week. And I asked him about that episode. And the one thing he remembered, um, other than how well he wrote it, um, is that the Chandler passage got such a huge laugh from the studio audience that they had to wait until the audience filed out and then have Ed Asner read it again. So Janet, we've got one last epigraph from the proceedings here, and it's from Janet's own uh, wonderful novel, White Oleander, and it, like the Chandler passage from Red Wind, is from the very first page. You want to give us a a paragraph? Sure. The Santa Anas blew in hot from the desert, shriveling the last of the spring grass into whiskers of pale straw. Only the oleanders thrived, their delicate poisonous blooms, their dagger green leaves. We could not sleep in the hot dry nights, my mother and I. I woke up at midnight to find her bed empty. I climbed to the roof and easily spotted her blonde hair like a white flame in the light of the three-quarter moon. Oleander time, she said. Lovers who kill each other now will blame it on the wind. Now, how did you decide to start this novel with a passage about the Santa Ana? What was interesting is I was in a writer's group that worked with... They would take a, a word, just a short word... And you'd write two pages double-spaced using that word somewhere in it. And 
it was during the Santa Anas and the word was wind. And I saw a woman on the rooftop in the wind and her white hair and the white moon. And that was the beginning of White Oleander. So it started with the wind. And did you know that you were entering this distinguished, august tradition of L.A. writers like Didion, like Chandler, who've engaged with this phenomenon? No, I think just, you know, living here and being awake, you know, you're, it's hard to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I should mention that Janet, like myself, is a native daughter of Los Angeles. Captain Smith, a, a Venturin, going back a couple of generations, and, uh, and uh, Professor Favell, an interloper from another windy city. Um, and I do just want to interject one thing before we get off Chandler and afterward when we all have a conversation uh, uh, following the panel, you won't be able to get me off the subject, which is that you can't stop reading Red Wind after the first paragraph. Absolutely do not, no, I'm not saying you're incapable of it. I'm saying you're not allowed to because very near the end, you will find a sentence of dialogue that you may also hear as somewhat familiar. And it's spoken by a cop and it goes to his partner and he says, it's the hot wind, Sam. Let's forget it. Ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. I don't know if Robert Town knew he was doing that, but he was. Um, so, Janet, can you write about the Santa Ana winds again, or you only get to once? No, it's, it's where we live. It's part of Los Angeles. You know, there's the downpours, which come after and cause the mudslides, and we have, I believe, in earthquake weather, but I think it's... It's when it's unseasonably hot. You know, it should be cold, but it's not. That kind of creeps me out. So, Professor um, Favell, is there anything to that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Janet, are you convinced? Do you, you believe differently now? No, there's, you know, there, the psychic life uh, has its own climate. <laughs> Since we mentioned climate, I guess I should ask Professor Favell, are the Santa Anas changing as the climate changes? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm afraid I, I probably can't answer it very well, but I, I have looked at the frequency of Santa Ana wind events over the past 50 or 60 years, so basically since the end of World War II, mm -hmm. and it looks like it goes through large cycles. So those of you who have lived here for a long time, you know, maybe you can check your memories against my data. But uh, in the 1950s, it looks like there were a lot of Santa Ana wind events, and they were particularly strong. And then in the 1980s, it looks like we hit a lull. And then since the year 2000, I think we've been trying to make up for lost time. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I mean, I've heard it said, probably groundlessly, um, that... Uh, if, if, if there's any identifiable change due to climate change, it's because uh, it, it's that the Santa Ana season may be getting a little longer. Um, but we haven't really talked about the season. When yeah. can we expect the Santa Ana winds? What date, what time can we have our next Santa Ana wind condition? Okay, so uh, I can give you an exact date and time as long as you, uh, you don't hold me to it. Oh, uh, absolutely. Turn okay. off the cameras, please. Recording okay. equipment. All right, it'll be Thursday at 8.37 p.m. <laughs> 
are you looking forward to the next Santa Ana wind condition, which I think traditionally maybe October or so? Yeah, so actually, I mean, typically uh, the first Santa Ana wind events will be this month, typically later this month. Mm -hmm. The worst ones in terms of wind speeds are usually in December and January, but the most dangerous ones are October and November because typically it's before it's rained yet and the fuel moisture is particularly dry. Um, I think that as far as looking forward to this season is concerned, uh, part of me is excited that Santana wind <laughs> season is coming again, and part of me is scared because I think, as you know, it's very dry out there. And so I think this will be a particularly challenging season for all of us. The dryness, I guess, because it, it dries the fuel. It drives, dries the plant material, which makes them more flammable. Captain Smith, do you look forward to Santa Ana season in any way, shape, or form? That's a trick question. <clears throat> um, in the role of our job, we, we enjoy going to fires. That's what we do. Sorry, say that we again? We like to go to fires. That's one of the things that we do. We enjoy really? going Why? to fires. Really? Um, Why? I mean, you're in greater we, danger than you yeah, are at the firehouse? Yeah, um, it's one of those things that we do. And so yeah. going to fires builds a lot of camaraderie. We know that we've uh, um, done a good thing. We can save people's property, lives, that kind of stuff. So there's a significant need for it, whether it be structure fires, wildland fires, um, all risk events. Um, but as far as... We need you. You don't have yeah. to prove it. <laughs> yeah. With, um, with as far as Santa Ana, a fire season that yeah. comes around, it's, it's like we categorize it. It comes in in the end of this month. And if you go back to your 50-year climatology, for us, it's usually about eight significant... Uh, Santa Ana wind events a year is what it averages out over the course of 50 years or 100 years, about eight traditional good Santa Ana wind events a year. And um, as uh, some of the larger winds are in December and January, mm -hmm. uh, that is once again dependent upon uh, rainfall. And the grass is the key indicator for uh, large fire growth. That's the key indicator is that for that receptive fuel bed to promote that exponential spotting. And that's what's challenging. And is it, like a tax, is it like a tax attorney in March? None of you take October off? <laughs> we don't. No. We uh, are at full staffing. I bet. Um, okay. Everybody says, with the wisdom that everybody always has, that Santa Ana's make us edgy, make us jumpy, make us irritable. Janet, um, should we stay away from you when the Santa Ana's start to blow? <laughs> Well, we, you'll be around somebody, won't you? <laughs> I don't know. Some people cower inside. I think that it's... Um, it frightens us. You know, we know the fires come, come after. But also on a primitive level, we like our temperate climate. We like our green trees. We like our kind of little Garden of Eden here. And uh, the... The Santa Ana season reminds us that that the Edenic quality is man-made, whereas the Santa Ana winds and the attendant uh, chaos and danger, that is nature. That is nature. And nature doesn't care about us at all. We are just in the path. And human beings, we have trouble with anything that is indifferent to us. And it's very scary for us. Um, so it's the, it's the side of the city we don't like to think about. We like to think about the prettiness and the temperateness. We don't like to think of the violence. And 
the same thing with our nature. So it reflects our nature. It makes us very uh, nervous. And so are meteorologists and firemen the only people who don't get completely neurotic and bent out of shape by the Santa Ana winds? Or, or do you ever feel something that's not professional uh, about them? <laughs> uh, we're reactionary to other people's actions. Mm-hmm. So uh, we go out there and try to solve problems after other people get edgy. But um, <laughs> um, we, we have a heightened awareness with what we do, though. We are, um, we'd really take a tactical pause in what we do. We do things a little bit slower. We look at a, a bigger picture for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, we have that um, fire weather aura about us when that comes. It just we, we feel it, and so we're at the um, at the readiness, I guess you could say. And I know you work, among other things, on arson cases. Mm-hmm. Um, even if what we've heard about you know normal mm-hmm. law-abiding citizens getting edgy is a total bubamisa, a total old wives' tale, is there truth to the the axiom that? the unbalanced people, people predisposed to arson are especially touched off by these conditions? If, um, if they're good studies on being a decent arsonist, they know when we're vulnerable. And that's what we couch is when we're vulnerable, is vulnerability for us. And um, I think people that are really have that nature behind them, it has been proven that they do start fires when we're at our biggest point of vulnerability when that's when those Santa Ana winds are um, are peaked. So if there's an arsonist here, how can how can we tell which one? <laughs> no, I can't can't pick them out. I bet not. Um, <laughs> Professor, um, where's the name come from? Oh, uh, the name. Okay, that's a that's a good question. So. Um, Basically, after I mentioned earlier, I put up a web page on Santa Ana Winds, which I'm embarrassed to mention again because I haven't updated it in 15 years, and I really should have done that. But um, Hey, if it's at the top of the Google search, yeah. why mess with okay. it? So, um, but, you know, that started people sending me email, and they would, a lot of these emails would start with, uh, you know, hey, idiot, <laughs> um, they're not Santa Ana Winds, they're Santana Winds. How many of you heard that? George Fishbeck okay. used to say yeah. it on KBC all the time. So, so actually, don't go contradicting Dr. George Fishbeck. Okay, well, he's I'm here and he's not. So, <laughs> um, George. In any event, so I I did a uh, I did a search through the back issues of the Los Angeles Times, figuring that if uh, you know how long for how long have people used the term Santa Ana winds, Santana winds that would show up in the newspaper, right? So the earliest reference to Santana winds I could find in the LA Times was about 1956, okay? The oldest reference that I found to Santa Ana winds goes back to only a couple years after the newspaper started publishing in the late 1880s. So basically, and I found several articles quoting the city fathers and mothers of Santa Ana, California, uh, upset that their, their, their name, the city name, has been used to uh, associated with these horrible winds that give Los Angeles bad press in the East Coast. But in Orange County, they like to give Los Angeles bad press. Well, but they gave Orange County bad press, too, and I guess they draw the line at that. <laughs> I actually found something. Um, do you know what St. Anne 
is renowned to be the protector from storms. Okay, so uh, that's a, uh, I, that I didn't know, but I, I know I've heard that Santa Ana could be also named after uh, the Mexican general Santa yeah. Ana, but his name is spelled differently. And also after St. Anne's Day, but I believe St. Uh, Anne's Day is in the summer where we don't have Santa Anas. Yeah. So how far in advance can we predict a Santa Ana? Okay, so uh, typically we have a pretty good notion that a Santa Ana is brewing several days in advance because it is a large-scale weather pattern that's associated with that. Uh, we oftentimes don't have a good handle on how strong the winds will be and how long they'll last until a little closer to the time window. But uh, we're getting better at forecasting them all the time because we're getting better at understanding them um, because our, our observational network has been improving tremendously in the last few years. And that's really helped us figure out where it's windy, when, where, and why. And is that, um, what should we do when we hear one is coming? Well, I know what you should do. <laughs> or what do, yeah. Well, there's uh, two different elements to that, really. There's one is being prepared, but uh, second on Santa Ana winds is uh, we're working right now on a complexity scale with them on based kind of like um, with hurricanes on how strong that hurricane is. We're going to go with a scale from zero to nothing to five with the greatest and have an intensity scale for uh, Santa Ana winds, which will help us because um, depending upon the duration and density of the that air mass is uh, will promote different fire growth because fire will change in character and depending on how strong that event is um, puts us in a place and once again using the word vulnerability puts us in different places within Southern California where we are vulnerable to where we can have a significant Santa Ana wind um, in the fire weather forecasting office out of San Diego but not so much be impacted in Los Angeles and vice versa. So and another phenomenon we haven't really talked about is the uh, the sundowner winds on the Santa Barbara Funk Country. What are those? I will defer that. <laughs> well, basically, uh, the, there's a, quite a similarity between Santana winds and sundowner winds, except the seasonality is different. Uh, the sundowner winds happen in Santa Barbara. The mountains around Santa Barbara, as you know, are basically a fairly steep west-east-oriented mountain range. And sometimes you can get very strong downslope flow and basically what happens, it's, it's sort of a miniature version of our Santa Ana's, and it's particularly dangerous for fire because as the air comes down slope, the air compresses and it gets very hot and the relative humidity gets very low. But the, the seasonality is different, the time period is different, the longevity of the events are different. And how unique are the Santa Ana winds? Can we say that they're native to Los Angeles and different from a Scirocco and different from all these other uh, place-based winds? Well, I, I really don't want to be the one who strips the romantic. Uh, uh, Shut off his off microphone of right now. Okay, right. I'll stop. <laughs> no, no, break, break it to us gently. We can okay. edit it out later. Um, there are a lot of places around the world that have winds very similar to ours because basically wherever you have topography and you've got uh, cold air outbreaks and you've got basically air that can come down over mountain ridges and be pushed through passes and canyons, you will, you will have this kind of stuff. There's a however to that, though. 
However, um, in some areas it is remote that you don't have the population or density and you don't have the mechanism to start a fire because usually in those remote areas it's lightning and when you're in Santa Ana or a wind event such as that, you don't uh, propagate lightning so you don't hear about those because you don't have communities at threat and public safety at threat. Well, I mean, we've heard, especially in a little dust-up between Professor Favell and Janet, um, various <laughs> opinions about whether they do or don't affect behavior and whether they can be sort of anthropomorphized into, you know, some sort of malevolent force. How about fire? Does fire have a personality? Is it vengeful? Does it come after it, you? It has a character. And, really? Um, each characteristic of fire is different depending upon what type of conditions or environmental conditions it's burning under, whether it be topography dominated or wind dominated. Um, but Los Angeles has a significant fire history. Just in the Santa Monica Mountains in the last hundred years, there's been over uh, half a million acres, 675,000 acres in the past 50 years. 100 years actually in uh, Santa Monica Mountains with fire frequency. So that tone that the public feels, they, uh, especially if you're local and a native Southern Californian, you know um, you have a sense, a different sense of urgency, I think. Um, was, what? Was, everybody seems to be in a hurry to me. That's just my, huh. that's what I feel. What's the closest close call that ever made you feel like a Santa Ana wind driven fire had your name on it? Um, we have a saying that uh, the difference between um, laughing and crying is um, minutes, seconds, and feet. Uh, so how fast you can travel on your uh, fire engine or get out to a safer area, uh, that fire can really um, grow on you quick. So we uh, put our people in harm's way um, quite frequently in the best interest of public safety and um, sometimes uh, the fire wins and we have a significant unfortunately uh, fire history in Southern California with uh, fatalities uh, in Southern California to where it was the fire's time to win. And Janet, this is a mean question to ambush you with but are we wearing out the Santa Ana winds as a metaphor, and are we underplaying a metaphor that might help us understand the city in new ways? Oh, I don't know if you can under overuse the weather. <laughs> you know, can you write about the ocean? Can you write about the sky? Can you write about rain? Yeah, I don't think that you overplay it, but you have to get something new out of it. You've mm -hmm. got to uh, say, you know, you've got to be, um, you've got to lift yourself out of the cliche, lift yourself out of borrowing what other people have said and, and really uh, have it say something new, minted right on that page for, for, you know, an audience that has seen things. You know, you can't echo. But, um, no, I don't think that any kind of emergency situation is... I mean, oh, death. People write about death all the time. You can't <laughs> write about it. People write about terror all the time. Uh, uh, anxiety, loneliness, uh, um, peril. You know, it, no, I don't think it's going to be used up. Do you think you could have written 
about the San Antonio winds in quite the same way had you not been native to this place? Yeah, I think that it's uh, it's observation. Uh, William Carlos Williams said that observation is the first act of the imagination. And so, so much is just going outside and noticing what's happening. Notice, you know, noticing, say, the Santa Anas, how they make the trees boil, you know, hmm. the action of the wind. I mean, really just noticing things. We lost a gigantic eucalyptus to the winds uh, two, two years ago. They were just like 100, I mean, it was like between 80 and 100 miles an hour through Silver Lake, which usually doesn't face the right way to catch them. And, I mean, that tree went down, the power lines went down, transformers were blowing up all over the city. It was really something. It, uh, you know, it made you um, get to know your neighbors. <laughs> Uh, we hung out at somebody's house. They had helicopters coming over and dumping water. And then going back and seeing the destruction, seeing how tenuous our lives are here. You know, that reminder again. That's part of it. You know, people from back east don't have emergency kits like we do because of the fires, because of the winds, and because of the earthquakes. You know, it's like you don't have food. You don't have water. What are you going to do hmm. when there's an emergency? I think that it, it makes us more uh, responsible as far as our own safety and our neighbors. For the panel, are, are palm trees the absolute stupidest thing we could have planted here considering the Santa Ana winds? You know what? They hold up to the wind really well because they bend like a fishing pole really well. It's just when you get the accumulation, everybody can look over to be my left or right. You look at all the uh, accumulated deadwood on it, and that's what uh, is a transport mechanism to start new fires. So anytime you have any vegetation that accumulates that deadwood that can break free, that gets in those transport winds, is, and those things will travel a mile to two miles routinely. Can I ask the audience a question? Go for it. How many have been impacted by a wind-driven fire in uh, your in the community, whether it be the Malibu Hills or Verdugos? People, yeah. And it Is happens. that about what you expect? Or? Yeah, I mean, people have an awareness of some people are directly affected by that. And in a lot of it, it happens when some of our significant winds happen in the middle of the night. And that's when everybody's home. Hmm. So when you have so many people that are at home, you have only so many roads to get people out. So... I don't not that the freeways are tough to negotiate around here, but uh, but at that point in time, it's it's tough to get people out of their homes, woken up, and that early uh, preparedness is tough. Early warning is very challenging. Professor Favell, is that is that true? Are there are the winds more active at night, or does it just seem that way? Um, yeah, generally they are more active at night, but I think that um, it also depends where you're talking about. So what's what happens oftentimes is I, I mentioned you get It's because a, they wait for us to fall asleep and okay, let well, our vigilance lapse, right? You know, and then I, they pounce. Okay, I, I've heard you shouldn't anthropomorphize nature <laughs> because she hates that. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that's um, good. I'm going to use uh, that. Okay, but but basically what oftentimes happens is uh, the strength and where the strongest winds are is a function of basically how warm it is during the day and how the vertical structure of the atmosphere changes near the ground at night. And so there are places that are, are substantially windier at night, and then it calms down during the day. Hmm. Uh, and then there are other places that are a little windier during the day. Now... 
if you look into this not very deeply, um, you tend to hear about positive ions creating negative behaviors. Is there anything to that? Uh, you're really asking the wrong person. Okay. <laughs> but I, I don't know if we have the right person on the panel, but this seems to be the closest any quacks ever get to, to explaining it. Um, we're going to open it up to questions in a little bit, especially since I'm glad you sort of got the ball rolling by sounding folks out. I raised my hand because I used to live in Paradise Cove in Malibu, and I certainly spent a night in a high school gymnasium drinking Red Cross coffee. Um, Join the club. Yeah. That stuff's good. It is. <laughs> um, now, some of us, when the Santa Ana winds blow next, maybe at the end of the month, are going to think back to tonight, because we're not experts. Um, what's the first thing you always think of when they start to blow? Anybody, everybody. Mine is if all my gear's in order and where I'm at, whether I'm on duty or if I'm off duty, because we will... If we have significant staffing, they'll call us into work and you don't say, hey, well, I'm going somewhere. No, you, our job, you have to leave. Forgive me, you don't strike <laughs> me as the sort of person whose gear is out of order very yeah, frequently. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So it, it doesn't take them very long. Yeah, it doesn't take them very long. Mm -mm. One bag, that's all I need. <laughs> How about you, Janet? What, what's your first I thought? I miss earthquake preparedness. So, you know, are my phone, is my phone charged? Do I have gas in my full tank of gas in my car? Do I have the water? Because we got two, we had two weeks after that, you know, that those bad winds, and we lost power in the whole area. Um, nobody had lights. Nobody had anything. No internet. <gasps> <laughs> um, so yeah, making sure. And then you know, you think of it ahead of time. Do your brush clearance. You know, all that stuff. And Professor Vivell, you you race up to the nearest mountaintop and just sort of surf it, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, do you do you work overtime when the winds start to blow? Or are you on oh. call? Yeah. Well, the first thing I do is I I pull up the observations and I start to check how good my model forecasts are. So. And would you rather have? an incredibly violent wind that confirms your model forecasts or a nice, mild, safe wind that contradicts them? Okay, well, um, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a difficult uh, question to answer, but um, so let me just throw caution to the wind, as it were, and say that... Um, <laughs> You've said I, that um, before. I, I'd like to get the stronger, the better. And can you be reached online the next time the rest of us are massively? It depends how strong the winds are. <laughs> um, okay, we've all heard the formation of Santa Ana winds uh, explained to us uh, very lucidly, very cogently, uh, by a man who knows as much about them as just about everybody. Janet, I wonder if you would care to recapitulate what causes a Santa Ana wind? Uh, massive cold air coming in the Great Basin, pushing the air through the mountains like, like water through your teeth. Very good, very good. That is so much better than I will ever be able to do it no matter any, how many times I hear about it. Why is it so damn hard to remember what we hear 
automate and automate and and ought to be second nature to us by now. How would you design Santa Ana, Monica Santa Santa Ana wins to make them more memorable for us? Uh, are you asking me? I'll, okay. I should know better. <laughs> um, how could we... Did you understand them when they were first explained to you, or did it take a while to sink in? Mm, I think I understood it, yeah. yeah. You should be a meteorologist. I think oh, they I, should... Okay. If they came in colors, it would be better. Good. What? If they should come in colors. They should come in colors? Yeah. Okay. Then we could watch, you know, oh my God, it's the yellow one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I I guess we could we could come up with a Santa Ana scale like the old terror, the terror yeah. scale. Remember oh, from is. after twenty eleven? But yeah. is is orange worse than yellow or better yeah. than purple? I don't I think know. If, I think if we ask the fire captain, he might have. We're an- working on that right now, <laughs> like we have with um, with tsunami warnings and, and such, with high wind warnings and such on a on a complexity scale. It's being worked on. But orange is pretty bad, I bet. I don't know what the color scheme is yet. Red's always bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, I, you know, I'm having the time of my life up here, but it seems almost churlish not to share it. Um, anybody care to toss up a question? Yeah, thank you so much. We now have time to take questions from all of you. Thank you uh, for your uh, beautiful comments. And now everything, though, that I've heard so far about the Santa Ana winds is negative, except for the gorgeous writing that Janet Fitch has written and read to us. I, my mood is enormously improved in a Santa Ana wind, and that's putting it mildly. If they could bottle that or put it in a capsule, I would be a very good customer for that product. I want to know, I partially came to find out why I feel so good in a Santa Ana wind, hot one, not a cold one. I had always heard that when they come down those passes, they pick up a magnetic charge. And I thought I was having sort of a biochemical reaction to it. It's the same reaction I get in an electrical storm. So has anybody here ever felt that? Am I the only person who enjoys Santa Ana winds? And can anybody, one other person? There are two of us here. Three. We're up to three. They, All right. They remind me of Janet and Raymond Chandler and Joan Didion. How can your mood not be elevated? I also read, by the way, that um, they bring nutrients in the ocean up from uh, deep down to the surface and fish feed and get fat and happy. You're nodding as if... Uh, yeah, that's right, because the, the offshore winds cause upwelling along the coast. If we, it's if, the excitement. <laughs> I think it's the excitement. We get tired of where people say there's no weather in L.A. It's like, yeah, there is. So uh, maybe, maybe it's just the sheer excitement of those winds. If we all decided that Suzanne is right and we like Santa Ana winds, could we induce them? Could we seed the clouds east of the mountains and somehow generate them? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think you would need to... Um, I'm sorry to be disappointed. Yeah. But, um, you, you would need to make more cold air in the Arctic. Gotcha. Do, among other things, I volunteer as a uh, wilderness ranger for the U.S. Forest Service up in the Sierras. And it's kind of hard to imagine anything as frightening as a um, high-speed, wind-blown fire um, coming down the mountain. Uh, It seems like uh, we've developed defenses uh, for um, structures, which uh, is commonly referred to as defensible spaces. And, um, but there seems resistance. And I'm just curious how we are doing in the Los Angeles area 
with accomplishing actual effective defensible spaces. Thanks. Well, in Los Angeles County, we're uh, one of the we're the first county to require 200 foot uh, mm -hmm. separation and, and vegetation clearance in Los Angeles County. Uh, back uh, within the last several years, uh, other federal agencies and state agencies have now adopted 100 feet. Uh, what the 200 foot does is it uh, really deals with a line of fire. So if you have fire that is growing, if you uh, look at fire line intensity, heat per unit area per foot uh, per second, as fire moves through this vegetation, at um, depending on whatever age class it is, the separation with 200 foot gives you that adequate distance uh, for that fire line intensity to not be as a um, your house to be as a receptive portion of that fuel bed. The game changes though when the Santa Ana winds blow. Because as that spotting happens, it happens and it, it falls into uh, your ornamental vegetation. It can get up under your eaves. It can get into your uh, car that you keep so nice. You have a car cover on it. And so when you have one of those embers that gets on the, something that is a receptive fuel bed, and once that home becomes part of the fuel bed, it's a game changer for combating those wildland fires. And in, up in the, in the forest, it used to be only 60 feet. In some areas, they didn't have a requirement for in the forest. But uh, there are now different counties are different, and state mandate now has it to where it's 100 foot. What is it that makes the winds so hot? I mean, whether they blow in October or, or December, they always seem to heat up the weather. Basically, um, the, the short answer is um, the, the key point is atmospheric pressure. And to for a very large degree, atmospheric pressure at any point represents the weight of the air that is overlying you. Okay? And also keep in mind that air is very compressible. So that means that pressure decreases with height or pressure increases downward towards the ground because when you're at the ground, the entire atmosphere is above you. Okay? Now, if you grab a piece of air from a couple of miles above the ground and you start to drag it down, that piece of air is experiencing greater pressure pushing on it. So that's going to make the air compress and that will make the air heat up. Okay, so actually if you take a piece of air and you move it down one mile, which is roughly from like the top of the San Jacinto Mountains down to sea level, that air will heat up by 30 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's very, that's tremendous. So if you can bring that air down a mile and a half, you've increased it by 45 degrees Fahrenheit. So the air could actually start off as pretty cold in the Great Basin, but by the time you brought it down that particular distance, it could be actually warm. If you start in October, where the air is cool and not cold, then by the time you bring it down to sea level, it can be hotter than heck. I heard a long time ago that uh, there's, a, there's a similar wind in Israel, that, and the doctors there uh, would not operate when there was this similar type of Santa Ana wind. And also, around here, I would think that... Um, one thing that r really affects a lot of people is allergies uh, during a wind. Uh, do you have any comments on that? On, on those two things? 
Yeah, um, I, I don't know enough about that to, to comment, but I, I've heard many people say that their allergies are worse during Santa Ana's. And I've heard other people say, uh, like the, the lady here earlier, that they actually feel better because, uh, for one thing, that maybe they live in Riverside County and all of our pollution, which normally we give them, they push back at us. So Santa Ana for, you know, Riverside County, I guess, is, uh, is their revenge on, uh, on the west side. Maybe. Nobody said anything about the effect of Santa Ana winds on creativity, I guess. I mean, people certainly write well about them, but it's never clear whether they're writing during the Santa Ana conditions. I don't know. I always feel that anything that is stimulating is good for creativity. Anything that kind of wakes people up. So anything that's different, any change, is good for creativity. So I'll, I'll go with Suzanne on that one as a positive. The differential between a normal pressure and a high pressure during a Santa Ana, how many, you know, is it like 32 inches instead of 30? Or is it just a little more than 30? And is it, because I, I, I'd like to get to some physical reason why we feel different during a Santa Ana. We heard somebody is more happy and wonderful, and other people are grumpy, and I know I stay awake at night, and I come in, and everybody's complaining at the office. So I'm curious about how much higher the pressure is. The change in atmospheric pressure is enough for at least most of us to notice. So um, typically during a Santa Ana, the, the pressure will be you know a, f a fraction of, uh, of an inch higher. Um, but I, I don't think that most of us could physiologically notice that. Um, I think you may, I think many people are, are, are sensitive to the low relative humidity, okay? Um, and I may have mentioned uh, already that uh, last May we had a end of season Santa Ana around May 1st. And that was, uh, you know, since we had very little rain this last year, that, that started fires that don't normally start that time of year. And we had a period of more than 12, perhaps 18 hours, where the relative humidities were as low as 1% over most of the L.A. Basin. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. And a lot of people do not feel very good during that particular situation because their sinuses dry out, the throats dry out, things like that. I had to be a killjoy. Am I the only one here who doesn't notice the Santa Ana winds? Yes. I'm not a, I'd be like reading on the porch in Malibu while my neighbors were hosing down the roof. And a few days ago, it was very hot and humid here. It was very uncomfortable. And I've heard that the, when the Santa Anas come, they kind of remove the humidity from the air. And I'm wondering if that's true or not. You remember back a little bit, I was explaining to that gentleman why the Santana winds are hot. And the key point is the air basically is descending. So the fancy scientific word for that is subsidence. But basically, air is descending. And as air is descending, it's being compressed. And if you take air and you compress it, it heats up. So I mentioned that if you bring air down a mile, it will heat up by almost 30 degrees Fahrenheit. But it's also true that as you bring air down, the relative humidity drops very quickly. And I think that is what addressing your question. So those two things are together. They're basically two sides of the same coin. So you bring air down by a mile, its relative humidity will basically cut by 50% um, per step down. So it quickly gets very, very dry. And the only thing I can tell is that Santa Ana winds make panelists sound really, really intelligent. So thank you all very much, and let's go socialize. <laughs>